1: Hey Tom, how many shots you want? This Chuck, Chuck. C- come on, man. I'm gonna get you some shots, man. I want right. some of you. Going. Chuck, I've been focusing on football, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, trying, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> man, man. Ready to and dominate. Already. Got the turn s- on. Don't worry, it ain't over yet. I think you just made him mad, Chuck. Oh no,
1: I love it though, man. That's he he can take a joke.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. okay. oh yeah. my goodness. Oh, you
1: made it. <laughs> wow. Oh. Chuck,
0: <laughs> take a second,
1: you mean? Chuck. <laughs> wow. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. Chuck. Hey, man. Chuck, I got that. That's awesome. Uh, shut your mouth, uh, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> take a little <laughs> of that medicine. Get your butt out here.
3: Yeah, that's right. This cut goes out to all y'all that's been missing us for mad years. One love, yo. Yeah, that's right. He's got game. P.E. 1998.
1: If man is the father, the son is the center of the earth in the middle of the universe. Then why? Is this verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write them like such. Word. Amongst the fiends controlled by the screens, what does it all mean? All this shit I'm seeing <laughs> human beings screaming vocal javelins, sign of a local nigga unraveling. Uh-huh. My wandering got my ass wondering with crisis and all this crisis. Hating Satan never knew what nice is. Check the papers, well, I bet on ISIS. More than your eye can see and ears can hear. Year by year, all the sense disappears. Nonsense perseveres, prayers links with fear everywhere. Two triple O's. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but damn the game if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but fuck the game if it ain't saying nothing. Damn, was it something I said? You don't
2: see, so you turn your head. Ray scared of his shadow, does it matter? Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Three Man Weave. Three Man Weave is brought to you by the good folks at Chairshot Radio Network in conjunction with the
1: ChairShot.com. Always use your
0: head
2: and we should have used our heads and recorded this yesterday so we could have got it out today we're recording on a monday so you're probably gonna miss the hashtag memorial sale but who cares man Still go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up an official chair shot t shirt. We've got something for everybody. We've got Jeez did the job. We've got save tag team wrestling, hashtag journalism, and many, many others. Again, I say it all the time. If you appreciate the content that we provide here at thechairshot.com day in and day out, show us a little bit of love by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you, thank you, and please. As I said, this is the inaugural episode of The Three-Man Weave. We're going to be discussing the latest, greatest, and up-to-datest in the world of sports, and we're going to have a good time doing it. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt, and I am joined by two of my favorite people on the face of the planet. We've got the Commissioner PC Tunney, and of course, last but certainly not least, the one, the only, Mr. Ray Cash. Gentlemen, who hoo, would it do?
3: Did you hit me with the masterpiece? Who
4: do you? Who do you? Did, all, the,
3: yeah. all the goons about to roll out. No, what's good, man? Happy Memorial Day. Um, I would be remiss. I'm come from a military family to thank those who have served and are serving and uh we appreciate your sacrifice. Um, first and foremost. Secondly it's good to be back with my brothers on. It's funny how one little bitty idea is it's the roads that grew from Comfort Creek, right? The little little mustard seed that grows into the world like one little idea that you two had and now here we go we got the latest greatest and up-to-datest is that the that's the lingo right yes sir. yes you know but we are about to take over not just the the wrestling podcast game but we're taking over sports too bill simmons we're coming for
0: you Beep.
4: <laughs> pop <laughs> swear at that motherfucker bill simmons we're coming for you motherfucker <laughs> but I thought the
3: word that was yeah. accurate in the sequence, but you know.
4: Oh all right. Yeah.
3: My,
2: my my booty hole puckered up a little bit when you started uh, saying that too, Tony. I did gonna lie. I was like, oh no. no what, don't, what, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> that
1: so, no, I'm not
4: no, sure no, which no, word. No. I'm not sure which word. Is it alert is it a word I'm not allowed to say? <laughs>
3: I mean there's a few that you that you're not, but yes, that's one of them, absolutely. The, See the obviously
4: Obviously, I don't know what word it is specifically, right? I don't know exactly what you're talking about.
3: Well, that's, that, well see, that's, that's probably why we love you so
4: much. That's is, it the, thing. is it the most forbidden word for a white man to say? You remember the Booker T saying, Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you. Beep. Okay, it's probably, yeah, definitely like the worst one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, and there's part of our entry preview song that I can't sing either. So what, I, I'm not mad about it. I just get over it. Hey, man, well,
3: look. Did you hear that, white people? (laughs) Like, it's not that hard. Can you interject some of that to the world? It's not that big of a deal. Right, yeah. Hey, you can't say the N-word, and I can't get alone. We're right on leaving. (laughs) (laughs)
4: As far as I see it. Oh, man. Well, folks, you know, you're looking for truth, you come to the three-man weave, whether it's sports or life. But I just want to... Before we get started and bring this back a little bit, I want to second what Ray said and happy Memorial Day and thank you to everyone to their service. The chair shot as a whole, Mr. Platt, all the platforms that we have on the chair shot, uh, we, we completely you know second that. And that's why we wanted to get that sale out there for anybody to take advantage of. And in doing so, you got to put the word memorial in there, so hopefully you remembered why you were off today. Um, I worked, though, but that's okay. I'm not bitter. we got a four-day weekend coming up. Just you know, so I'll be ready to roll Wednesday night when
2: we record play. Yes, bring bring your boots a- and a hey shovel, man. Well, number one, that's funny. Number one, yeah, I, I second both Tony and Ray's thoughts, man. Shout out to you know all the soldiers that have dedicated and sacrificed their lives, and the one that you know go into service because my black ass ain't about to go into the military. So I nothing but the utmost respect. Plus, you know, I got family members. My best friend is a, a marine, an ex marine. So yeah, all, all of that, man. All, all due respect. And number two, I forgot what number two was.
3: Oh well, oh well, you know what number two is. Let me ask you real quick.
4: What if I'm, yeah, <laughs> yes. What if I'm out playing, and I'm asking for all all white guys who like to sing karaoke, okay? What if I'm out and there's a song I want to sing, but that words in there? What's a good substitute? Or do I just shut the fuck up during ninja,
3: that? Just, oh, ninja say ninja. Well, that's too close. That's too close if to you're around some other people. Let me be <laughs> Keep, keep it a buck. I don't, don't do those songs. Oh, <laughs> I don't. I don't mind if you mouth it to yourself because it is really hard to just cut off your cerebral cortex and stop a word. I get that. It's saying it, especially when it's coming from a place that is premeditated. That's that's a, a big part of the problem. Don't say it at all. But I mean, I can understand if you're mouthing it to yourself and i I, I don't I don't take umbrage with that, but if you're actually wanting to rap along with it, remember when you were a kid and, you're, and you would want to sing songs around your parents but they had cuss words in it? Whatever you did then, do that shit now. And, and to be fair, man, and we...
1: Knowing half the battle. <laughs>
2: and to be fair we all know man if you grew up listening to hip-hop if you're in your car by yourself you're not going to edit out it is just you in the car we know about, that, that uh, here, right,
3: we i think go. i have a
4: solution for everybody how about buster
3: okay i right. am go with right, look, cool. whatever you if you want to say fluffy i don't care what you say just don't fluffy. say
4: that fluffy's a good one fluffy we need oh. two syllables you know
2: i I remember what i was gonna say now man i wanted to give a shout out to all three of us because we clearly are essential workers because we've all been working throughout this quarantine so that means that we're essential so where's my goddamn happy meal y'all seen that commercial right we
3: get a
4: happy meal i have have not but i'll take it (laughs) how long do we get to redeem how long do we get to redeem said happy meal because if i don't like the toy that they have right now maybe in a couple weeks i can redeem it i get a better toy
2: yeah, McDonald's has a commercial where they've been giving happy free happy meals to the first responders and all of that. That you know, that, that was the joke.
4: They're working oh, a
3: little harder dude. than me. I work at a nursing college so I can just borrow some some uh scrubs and slide on by through the drive thru. Yeah. Yeah, actually literally, yes. Yes. We can make we can it drive. work. Yeah, my my badge says College of Nursing on it, so, you know. You McDonald's yeah. is going to have
4: an influx of fake nurses rolling through their drive-thru <laughs> now just so they can get their kids some chicken nuggets, an apple slice, and a stupid fucking toy that's worth 84 cents. It's going to break within two days. Uh,
3: They're going to be wearing pajamas up there, Tom, but I'm in my scrubs. No, that's not scrubs.
2: <laughs> you look like the white dad from a sixty sitcom. What are
3: you doing? What are you
2: doing? Why are we here? What are you doing? <laughs> Darren? <laughs> Anywho. Should we so get this? Believe it or, yeah, Go believe it or not, we, we actually have sports content to discuss this week. Ain't that some? TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Sports, 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 sports.
4: That's right, Homer. It's time for some sports. Gentlemen, not much happening this weekend, but let's get to the couple things that did. First, I want to say congratulations to Brad Keselowski for winning the Coca-Cola 600. It took forever to get that race over with last night. It ended up with overtime being the longest race in NASCAR history at about 607 miles or so. Jimmy Johnson's winless streak continues. He ended up taking second, but his car failed to pass the test after the race, so he was disqualified. But I guess the big story there, finished it, longest race ever, overtime for the fans, Brad Keselowski, back in the winter circle. I just, quick question for you guys, and I want to say something real quick about this podcast. We're going to try and cover all sports, and if something happens, we're going to tell you that it happened, especially coming right off the weekend, but we're not the biggest NASCAR guys in the world, right? We're football, baseball, basketball, but we're going to cover soccer and hockey and everything else that's going on. We're just not going to do it in depth because those aren't our things. So we're going to hit it hard where we know what we're doing or think we do. But we're also going to touch Hmm. on some of that other stuff. But, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys have paid attention to NASCAR throughout your life and know how the race works and everything else. But in the recent years, they switched to this format where the race is divided up into chunks. And I can't even follow who wins what and how they qualify and end up lining up for the end of the start and everything else. You think they've made it too complicated for people?
2: Yeah, it's just be people in cars driving fast going around the track. I mean, what else do you need? And, and the funny thing is, I don't understand why NASCAR, NASCAR rather stopped. Like, that's the most social distancing of all the sports. All you need is a car and some dudes driving the cars and somebody change the tires every now and again.
3: The reason why is because they already had a virtual um, racing function already in place. So it was the easiest to go to that because they were still having actual races just virtually. Yep. So it was kind of the easiest to kind of move forward. Um, mm-hmm. And then NASCAR easily and regularly does eighty to 100,000 people at those races. So, like, that's a lot. That's a lot to lose in the gate to try to go and use a stadium. So, you know,
4: I like, know whoa, that whoa, they Whoa,
3: back, 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 back up here for a second. Gentlemen, they were doing
4: virtual races Oh, yeah. Even the pro drivers were jumping on this virtual race. You know, you get on and they said the simulation is really realistic as far as the controls and how it feels with the car and everything else like that. I mean, some guys were using a $300 setup. Some guys were using a $7,000 setup. Uh, But these guys, these pro drivers were getting in there and getting their reps that way. I can tell you as far as social distancing goes, and this is the main reason I wanted to talk about this. The pit crews were separated from the drivers. All the pit crews were separated from the other crews. The drivers were separated from everybody, right? Like, all these little teams were separated 100% from everybody else. You went to your pit station. You worked on that car. That was it. You know, the drivers didn't come in until the end. They didn't really have qualifying and a lot of practice and things of that nature. So it was really unique to see them want to make sure that they get some TV money, which I'm sure they did. But as far as Ray mentioned, not having the gate... That, that does kind of hurt. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is, but hey, they're back out there and they were the main event this weekend as far as the sport that counted.
2: Well, you know, one thing that I, I learned because I've been kind of keeping up with the NBA and about some of the things they're trying to do to bring the sport back, and we're going to get to that, you know, more in depth later on in the show, but one of the things that I learned that was glaring to me was that 40% of the NBA's revenue is live attendance and I didn't realize that number was that high especially with how the tv contracts have been inflated you know throughout the past couple of years i yeah i didn't realize that that number was that high so i can understand you know nascar they're missing that money but at the same point in time they too have tv rights deals and they've got to fulfill their 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 options but this seemed like the sport that most was that would be most able to withstand social distancing. Because, I mean, the drivers never get out the car anyway. When the pit crew comes in and they change the tires and whatever it is that they do when they pull in the pit, they don't get out the car anyway. So that that seems like, you know, just from from, from a standpoint of what I'm thinking, you know, the most logical sport to be able to continue throughout this. And I guess that's true. That's born true because they were out there. And, you know, we still haven't seen baseball, basketball or anything else yet.
4: I think that's a great transition point right there. And what we want to talk about next and things happening this weekend. And you talk about sports that are easy to social distance while competing in and golf is easily one of those. Right. And and I talk about like NASCAR. Yeah. But even golf, even more like 90% of the rounds that these guys play or people actually go golfing there. You, you, it's going to be quiet anyway, while you're hitting, right. You're not going to be as affected Mm -hmm. by no fans. So, PGA will be the next big sport to come back in America. They are having a tournament July the not this next weekend, but the first full weekend of June. I believe it's the 11th or 10th it starts there. Maybe it's the second full weekend in June. But you're going to see golf again. You're going to see it without crowds, okay? So who knows what that's going to look like. You're going to have it's going to look a lot like what we watched yesterday. Tiger Woods teaming up with Peyton Manning to take on Phil Mickelson. And Tom Brady. Did you guys watch? Hell yeah.
2: I'm not gonna lie, man. I so I I got up, it was about two o'clock. I looked it to see what time that it was coming on, and I said, Oh cool, cool. I got some One time. Hour. I ran to the gro Yeah. I ran to the grocery store. I ended up staying at the grocery store a little longer than I anticipated. And then when I came back, I got straight into cooking. And Amber was watching the hot chick with Rob Schneider. And I totally forgot that this was even happening. I'm not even gonna lie. I feel bad saying this. Like I, you know, you crucify me, please do, because I earned it. But I totally forgot that it was happening.
4: Why don't you go ahead and no, grab a white? Why not you I'm go glad. ahead and grab a white claw, take a piss, check on Ambie, Kriba, see if she needs a cramby, and Ray and I will just have a discussion about it. It's okay. It's no big deal, Chris. It's no big deal. <laughs>
2: I love that you call her Ambi. That's that that just—that's really what you call her right now. That's what
4: you call her. I know. It That's just why came why
2: out of my I mouth. I know. That's why it popped me. i oh, sorry. That's <laughs> why it popped me. I know. No, don't be it. I literally, it literally popped me. That is what I call her. Yeah. But please talk amongst yourselves, gentlemen. Fine. I, I will. You know, you ain't got to tell me twice. <laughs> the, the, the oh, 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 oh! Hold know. on. Let me say this. I, I apologize, Ray. I didn't mean to cut you off, brother. But let me just say this one time. PC, on uh, on behalf of our Caucasian brethren. Why do you Mellon Farmers think that Peyton Manning is this gregarious-ass dude that just has this sparkling personality? I mean, y'all put him on SNL and everything. He's doing the commercials and whatnot. He's he's a dork. And, I mean, out of, out of the four of those guys, the only one that actually has showed any semblance of personality is Phil Mickelson. And he gives me All Lives Matter vibes, so there's that. But, I mean...
4: Hey, huh? Platt, let me answer the question by asking Ray a question. Hey, Ray, out of the four people that were golfing yesterday on television, who did you enjoy the most with their uh, commentary and banter with the other players? Well, Brady had <laughs> the best banter as far as I'm concerned. Oh, not throughout the round. Peyton was Peyton was crushing people the whole round. Peyton was, Peyton was
3: funny, but Brady was going back and forth with the commentators. Well, I'm and I, we know it wasn't Tiger. He's like,
2: oh yeah, motherfucker, this is just going in, motherfucker. Yeah, I'll fuck that <laughs> because shit. he yeah. was—he
3: thought he was. First of all, Tiger was at home. Number one, that's his—that's his home court, his home course. Two, I—I I, I guess tiger is like Jordan. That I'm sure he thought he was getting a green jacket at the end of the point.
4: Did you see at the end when they had won the match? and Tiger picked up his golf ball, and he snatched it like this and went like that. Did you see that? Yeah, I was like, hey, no. motherfucker, motherfucker didn't want to lose two in a row to Phil.
3: No, not at all.
2: Yeah, motherfucker, yeah, get it, yeah. It's oh, quite Phil, you're the world, a little bitch. Yeah, that's me.
4: Phil, you're a motherfucker, I'm right? Woods. <laughs> I know that's what Platt wanted, you fucking son of a bitch. Uh, talk about talk about the time you had watching it yesterday because i really enjoyed it from start to finish i enjoyed the banner like we talked about it was cool to actually see people go out and compete against each other but how interesting was it to see these four guys and i mean charles barkley on commentary with brian anderson who's one of the best commentators out there multiple sports trevor immelman is a little bit less known for um the casual golf fan but a guy who's won many tournaments and it seemed to do a really good job there and then Justin Thomas out on the course. I thought he was great. He was talking shit to he Charles Barkley too.
3: Yes, he was amazing. He was probably the best part of the commentators. Um, I enjoyed all of it, man. Uh, and you know, I kind of like Platt. I had to leave in the middle too to go uh, grocery shopping, but still, I got a chance to see the beginning and the end. Um, I man, I, I it's it's crazy to think that those are probably the four preeminent. Guys of our generation, both in their sport and football, it's ridiculous to think that they could like pretty much take over the day, not the weekend. But uh, also, I'm a little disappointed that it had to rain because if it wouldn't have rained, it it would have been even a bigger thing because like if you look at the way the actual actual game uh, kind of played out, it took them a few holes to get going. Because like they had to figure out how the fairway and the greens were running because the fairways weren't as fast as they normally would be because the rain has hooked it up. But the interesting thing to me is you tell me if uh, you tell me if you noticed this too. All four guys were on brand in terms of who they are as people. Peyton was a front runner, like always. Brady took some took his time but came through in the clutch. Phil was entertaining as hell. And Tiger didn't care about nothing there. He just wanted to win. And they were all on brand. I I find that hilarious that who they were as people kind of threw itself out on the the
4: course, on the links. Uh, As far as the rain goes, I completely agree with you. It's a little harder to warm up in that, especially with changing, like, so if you watch them on the range, Peyton Manning was one of the only ones that went to the rain gloves because he had two gloves on, right? And these are gloves where if it rains or not, you can't pull the club out of the guy's hand, right? A lot of guys, once they get that one hand with the glove wet and the grip gets wet, I'm telling you, it is almost impossible to play golf. So warming up did not help them. The lack of distance on the drives from the fairways being wet like that right away, that didn't help the amateurs definitely, although they weren't putting it in the fucking fairway anyway. Listen, I shoot in the 70s, high 70s, around 80 for golf. So my handicap is right around six. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are no 8 to 10 handicappers. Those guys shoot fucking 90 when they're out on the course or 95. They'd be lucky to break 100 on hard courses. Now, that being said, they're athletes. They strike the ball. Maybe they're a little nervous from TV. But one thing that it affected mostly would have been the putting going forward at the beginning, sure. but it, throughout the match it helped for approach shots, especially with the other guys. You've seen them stick a couple shots on the green. Those greens are harder. That ball's not going to stick because they don't hit it as high as a pro, right? Now, Mm -hmm. that's the technical side. You talk about the guys. I thought the one most interesting thing that I thought was the best, especially if you're a golfer, amateur, uh, trying to get better and become something where you can play in some smaller tournaments or whatever level you're at. Phil Mickelson, multiple times around the green, gave chipping tutorials, and chipping's one of the hardest things to get to learn. He would say exactly what he's trying to do, why he's doing it, and he would go out and do exactly what the fuck he just said. And as an athlete, no matter what sport it is, you see someone tell you exactly what they're going to do and execute it perfectly, you're impressed the entire time. Now, you mentioned Tiger. It's funny because they started to try and ask him questions in the cart. He acted like he ain't even hear him, and you know he heard. He just get out of his cart and start Everything. talking to Peyton Manning because he ain't want to <laughs> lose the fill.
2: And I, just, uh, just to put in perspective, Tony, he said he's shooting an eighty. That's my score on a par three course is an 80. And for those that don't understand, par threes are only nine holes. And Puttani is doing an, he is shooting an 80 on an 18 hole course. That's damn impressive, especially for an amateur. I just had to throw that out there.
3: Speaking of a par three, did you see the hole where they could only use one? Uh, they could only use one club, mm-hmm. and Tiger was going for a birdie putt with a four iron.
4: Right. A so what? A- It was par four, and whatever club you teed off with is the club you had to use the entire hole. So it's kind of a fun thing. It kind of goes back, if you've ever seen the movie Tin Cup, uh, Roy McAvoy hits nothing but seven irons on the back nine and pars the back nine. And afterwards in the bar, his caddy goes, do you remember that seven iron on uh, 13? He goes, oh, that was a good one. How about the seven iron on 16? That was even better. And then the seven iron on 17? Because it was the only club he could fucking use, right? So to see those guys do that, Tiger almost made that putt to win the hole, didn't he? He almost yeah he almost birdie putted with
3: with a four iron and and when he when he grabbed it and I think Phil was like uh, this dude is crazy but you know what it's his home course I can't I can't say nothing he knows something I don't because Phil had a six iron and uh, Phil
4: par putted that hole didn't he I think I think Phil had a bogey but Tom Brady I think also had a bogey which ended up being a par because when they played the front nine it was the best score of the two guys but. The, the amateurs, the football players, each got a stroke off, so it would be more okay. efficient with what was going on. It was an interesting thing there they did. Let's talk about all the people that were chiming in, because you had golfers Nelson. like Brooks Kepka chiming in. You had NFL coaches like Sean Payton giving Brady shit on the air. I mean, there was a whole bunch of J. people. J.J. Watt. J. J. Watt was chiming in. Russell I mean, Wilson. Russell Wilson. And these guys are donating, too. Uh, right before Tom Brady sunk the nice fucking shirt, dude. Right before Tom Brady, who pretty much told that to Charles, "These nuts." Um, <laughs> Brooks kept Said if that, Tom, that, go, go ahead. That
2: that was that was my official endorsement in uh, for the presidential race in twenty sixteen. I officially endorsed these nuts. But please continue.
4: He, one of the top golfers in the world t- tweeted to Tom Brady, "If you can make a par on the front nine, I'll donate a hundred grand." And what does Tom Gua do? Sinks that shot from the fairway. Hundred grand but for coronavirus a- relief.
3: Give him context though. Tom was so bad oh. the first five holes; it was he was about to throw his club in like in in the marsh. It but was
4: you, terrible. I'll give Tom a break though because he probably is golfing the least out of all of these guys.
3: Well, and and not just that. And I think he has a day job. You're, you're sure. <laughs> well, that that's a big part of it. You're you're a, a pretty avid golfer. I I only go to the driving range, and that's twice a year. But. Um, the one thing I think was really pertinent to the way they played on Sunday was they spent the entire weekend there playing on that course, getting used to the course in the warmth with it running the way way it normally runs. So the second they got used to the way it was, you can hear them saying that, oh, well, you know, when I hit it, when I, when I hit uh, off the tee on this particular hole, I sliced it every time this way. So you can tell they had been practicing on that course and then, all of a sudden that day it decides to storm and every single idea or plan you had in your mind is gone because the course ain't going to play the same no more. So I could feel, I could, I could feel Tom in that, in that respect.
4: When you have two of the top 10 golfers ever in the history of the world, you know, one of the top two greatest ever. And I consider Phil probably one of the top 10 ever. He's got, um, the,
3: He's, he's reached up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if you have, oh, yeah. but if,
4: but if you've been playing the course, even if it's raining, you have these guys helping you out reading putts. I mean, Tiger and Peyton Manning had this putt reading system. Tiger would show him where to shoot for, and then Peyton Manning would say, how about the speed? And Tiger would give him a number. Yeah. What number is that? that What number? What number? He's like, that's a 90. That's a 105. Like, what is that a percentage of what? How long, though? It's a different length every single time. So, like, fucking Peyton Manning's out there, Omaha, Omaha, and Tiger's like, 105. You know, I'm like, this isn't football, this is golf.
2: (laughs) And actually, he said, no, oh, that, 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 that's a 90. That, that, that's about a 105. Yeah. Peyton,
4: buddy, Peyton buddy i go 105 yeah. there. Leave Eldrick
2: alone. Eldrick.
4: <laughs> Mr. Eldrick, Justin Eldrick. Thomas called him Mr. Eldrick.
2: He, he really called him Mr. Eldrick. That's hilarious. Oh, they're On really so good buddies.
4: Uh, Chuck, Chuck Barkley, Charles Barkley and, uh, and Justin Thomas are good buddies too. It's funny because a lot of people that were involved in this are really good friends and it's interesting to see what kind of circles these guys run in and how they give each other shit. You can see Tiger and Phil play a lot together, right? They're not enemies like you think they are. Okay. Phil asked them. Phil goes, Phil goes, you want to go for a long drive here on this one just out of the way? And Phil, Tiger's like, I can't keep up with you anymore. I mean, Tiger's got back <laughs> fusion. Phil's 50, but he's still, Phil looked great, by the way. I mean, he lost some weight.
3: Um. So, uh, question for you guys. This, they're, they're clearly going to do a, a the match three. Right, I think this is Tiger and Phil's thing. They've kind of trademarked it. They're the at a certain point they're gonna go all um. Uh, what's the dude that that teaches on the golf channel?
2: Oh, um, oh, uh, Butch
3: Herman? That's not a, what I'm thinking about. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, they're going to end up yeah, kind of being yeah. more of the, more coaches than anything eventually as this thing goes on further. But who would be who would you want to be the next two athletes to if they do this again for a third? Oh, it's easy. Barkley and Jordan. Barkley and Jordan.
4: No. I want two guys that are actually two of the best non-golfing professional athletes. Non-golfer professional. Two two of the best non-golf professional athlete golfers.
2: Well, one is definitely Tony Romo. One is definitely Tony.
3: And the other Steph Curry.
4: That's exactly who I want.
3: Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, no, Steph Curry is a scratch golfer. He's excellent.
4: But here's something –
3: If Romo took it seriously, Romo could make the PGA Tour.
4: What about instead of this being 18 holes, what about you do nine holes and they do a four? You know what a scramble is, a four-man scramble? Yeah. So what if they just
2: Yeah, it's like you hit the ball. Like, yeah. you. Everybody, everybody. (laughs) Well, well, here.
4: Everybody, for people that don't know, everybody tees off from your team. There's four guys on your team. Everybody tees off. You pick the best drive, and everybody hits from that spot again. And everybody gets a chance to hit that spot. You pick the best one, everybody hits the putt, right? So it's like a team effort. Everybody gets a shot. You pick the best one and move forward. Why not have Tiger versus Phil The scramble nine holes? It's going to take a little longer. You get one guy from uh, baseball, one guy from basketball, one guy from football on each team with Tiger and Phil. Think about the amount of money they could raise there and have a few more side events, long drive, closest to the pin, longest putt. They kind of do weird chip or something like that. I mean, you can make it really interesting. They raised $20 million yesterday, guys. I think that's pretty cool.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. I I thought that, honestly, though, that's what I thought they were going to do. I thought it was going to be like a scratch tournament, but clearly that's not what happened.
3: Uh, Best hole winner, uh, whoever gets the the lowest amount of strokes on the hole wins the hole,
4: and whoever wins most holes wins wins the day. Yeah, so who won? Tiger and Peyton Manning ended up holding off. They were up early, and they ended up winning by one. So basically every time you win a hole, you'll go one up. They were up by three holes at least uh, heading into the back nine, ended up hanging on. So, so
3: basically the Colts won last-second field goal, Terry from 40.
4: <laughs> well, actually, no, It's more like a game-winning sack to keep the other team from tying it up.
3: That's a, oh you're right. So Dwight Franny got him on mm-hmm. the on, on a on Tiger.
4: The I got you. If you if you want to go back and watch, it was a great putt from Tiger. He was probably about forty five feet out and left it within eighteen inches. They gave him the putt in the match, and that was the end of it.
2: I mean, Payton's used to uh, brothers helping him look good. Shout out to Marvin Harrison and Edron James.
3: Reggie way, Wayne, Reggie Wayne Manning. Because of Edrin James, I call. It, I I he, he will always be people money to me. I think that is the most hilarious thing that him this paid man being paid man and like the most hood dude from Liberty City were like this. That's 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 always funny to me. It's always well, funny. To
2: that, me. That, well, I'm not a hood dude, but that kind of explains uh, Tony and I's relationship.
4: <laughs> Gentlemen,
2: last I kid, I kid.
4: Last thoughts last thoughts on the weekend that we just had Not a hell of a lot going on, but a couple things happened. Uh, Overall thoughts before we move on.
3: Um, I am, it was good to see actual live sports. Um, I am definitely jonesing for some live content, but I'm not in a rush because I'd rather get it right. And keep it right, than have to stop again. Um, But I was very appreciative to see it. And the one thing that really really caught my eye was like while they clearly weren't they were social distancing the best they could they got close to each other at some points but they didn't shake hands they didn't high five they didn't fist bump but they were trying consciously to kind of show the world who they knew were watching that okay we're gonna do this the way we're quote-unquote supposed to I thought that was cool i thought that was noteworthy
2: my thoughts for the weekend were, hey, why didn't you tell me that these white, you got me hooked on these white claws and they severely incre- increase my piss time. I mean, I drank two or three white claws, man. And yo, I, I, I'm pissing longer than it takes a horse to run the preakness, okay? Why didn't you tell me that was going to be a side effect to these white claws, sir?
0: This is your boy, uh, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out cheshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, Podcast galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com
2: TheChairShot.com Always
4: use your head. I ain't responding to that. What are you, nuts? Stop drinking so many. Stop drinking so fast. Stop drinking out of a straw. Hey,
2: screw you, Jack. You should have just said stop drinking and left it at that. To quite, to be quite honest,
3: but he wouldn't say that. Here we are, you know that. What are you about, folks? If it
1: sounds,
4: <laughs> like about f- it sounds like we're about to, it sounds like we're about to fight. It's because we're about to talk about Fight Island. I want to talk about this real quick because it looks like they're actually going to have a UFC card coming up here on Fight Island. Now, the good thing that they can do with Fight Island is it's really the only way to get fighters that aren't located in the United States to come and fight. Otherwise, they ain't going to be able to travel into the U.S., right? So they need to find something if they want to mix the cards up, just because you can see a lot of the fighters that previously fought here as we got going are going to be looking at rematches or new matches and being challenging people again because they have a smaller pool of people they can choose from. So Fight Island, not only is it a cool idea, it's going to open up the opportunity of people that Dana White is going to have to choose from moving forward here with this UFC pay-per-view.
2: Mm-hmm. This, this is literally the plot to Bruce
3: Lee's Enter the Dragon. I mean, beat for beat. Literally. I'm not making any of this up. Enter the Dragon, Mortal Kombat, The Condemned. Yeah, there's been a few.
2: It's touche. I forgot about Mortal Kombat and The Condemned, yes. It's, it's utterly ridiculous, but at the same point in time, what are you supposed to do? You're a fighter. You, if you don't fight, you don't eat. It's not like WWE or, you know. Well, I guess a lot of athletes are getting paid right now, but we'll get to that momentarily. But, you know, if you don't fight, you don't eat. Can I speak to that real
3: quick? Please do. Because in in theory, while what you're saying is correct, but in theory, that should be wrong. Because unlike boxing, who are, run, who are either their own promoters or have a promoter and promotion to both... Both promoters for both fighters have to get together under one major promoter who's promoting the whole card and work with this WBO organization or the W and all that BS. UFC, UFC, Bing, Bang, Boom, one company. You sign a such and such fight contract with us, Bing, Bang, Boom. Why are they not getting paid? There's no reason they're not. They shouldn't be getting paid. You get a fight payment when you fight, absolutely. But you are signed contract. You are not an employee. We know how the game work, but you are, you are a, you are, a, I'm sorry for, for going jangling on you guys, but you are essentially property of the UFC. You should be getting paid, right? You should be getting paid by all rights. You have signed a contract with the UFC for this, either this many fights or this many dates or this, long, this many years, right? They're not, they're not fighting fight for fight for fight for fight contracts. No, these guys sign contracts and then they'll come up with a they'll come up with a specific contract for the actual fight once the fight comes. So they should be getting paid.
4: I love your point on boxing and it's why UFC is more popular than boxing. I am one a huge times. I am a is huge one hundred percent. Go look at the numbers that they're making off of pay views well, over to, boxing to, because to, to, to they're doing it platform. they're doing it many times a year, while boxing maybe gets one big mega fight every two years.
3: That's the difference. Yes, I think yeah. bo- boxing is is written is intrinsically written in the in the kind of the Americana of the country. You know that back in the day in the twenties, thirties, forties, boxing
4: was, was boxing, horse racing, and baseball. That was it.
3: Exactly. So, like, we're we're conditioned as a country that if there are two fighters we actually care about, they're gonna sell out. UFC hasn't
4: kind of hit that
3: kind of crossed over into the groove, but like they're getting great
4: numbers I consistently get, up here. I get what you're saying where people need to get paid and they signed a contract and they committed themselves to a company. And just because the company can't find a way to let them work, they're under contract, but I'll put it to you this way. I don't think anybody else that actually sets up the happenstance of an event for a company has worked harder Than Dana White and what I mean is Dana White isn't the president Dana I mean he is maybe the acting president he's not the owner he he has less power than you think but he's the one that sets everything up right he has more power than you think at the same time so while you talk about the commissioners of different sports and you talk about maybe Dana White is better off known as the commissioner of UFC right something like that no one has worked harder to get their sport back going again than Dana White and been more effective he was the first one to come back right He's been trying. I, I, he got Fight Island shut down three weeks before he came back. For, and real, quick, I, Platt, real quick, Platt. Real
3: quick, plat For the record, he is the president, and he also owns a stake in the UFC. So, like, he...
4: Yeah, I'm just I'm up. just saying that because I don't want to hear it's Platt true. go on his rants about Dana White. I know where he is in the company. Okay.
2: It's a small stake, but th- that has nothing to do with what I'm, what I'm saying. I think that you both are underselling the utter ridiculousness of Fight Island. And I say that I think it's awesome. I'm not trying to shit on Dana. I mean, he hasn't come across the best during this whole pandemic thing, but the concept and the idea of Fight Island Chef's Kiss. Is
4: it I mean, just it's a, it's, it's it's hilariously brilliant. This should really be a fucking tiny fucking island where you just see a beach surrounding land, surrounding and trees, the and then in the middle is lights and a cage, and that's fucking it. So basically, come up there's, the a, there's, a, yeah, there's another bigger island where they actually have everything happening, and they just ship them back and forth from the boat, whatever. All these guys are coming in with the speedboat and getting off and talking to the doctors, and they're setting them up there, and they got a port-a-potty, and then that's it, and there's the UFC.
3: Well, hold on no. now. Y'all, y'all realize y'all said in the horrible Preston, right? Because Tony Kong got a football stadium. Um, your boy Dana White has got to get an island. So what Vince got to do, buy a continent? He's going to buy he a planet. He's going to buy a planet. Vince Zardinian is already <laughs> on his own planet. WrestleMania, WrestleMania yeah. is going to be on the moon. Yes. <laughs> sponsored yeah, sponsored by so Elon so Musk. Yes. <laughs> and Mars bars,
4: get it?
2: <laughs> Yo, know, they need to stare to the skin, man They need WrestleMania, to get off the ships Brought to you
4: by Snickers Tesla <laughs> And Yo, Charmin and- Charmin, toilet paper is now one of the biggest industries in the world
2: Fight Island needs to stare to the skin They need to have a ring of fire Surrounding the octagon And as the guys get off the ships They have walk some the high poles to get to the ring and, and have natives around the Atagan dressed in war paint with spears, doing the hey how are you or whatever the fuck. Can the and, can and, and the ring and, girl and, have a
4: grass skirt and coconut bra? Of course, the ring girl has to have a bra. A can, bra Bruce grass Buffer, skirt. can Bruce Buffer can Bruce Buffer be dressed dressed up like Gilligan and Dana White like the skipper, and he can call him, "Hey, little buddy, why don't you start announcing the match?" Yes, yes. Let's do all of this. Yes.
2: If it's going to be ridiculous and the concept of Fight Island is already ridiculous, we might as well go as over the top and as ridiculous as we possibly can.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Whatever you're about to say, right? UFC 251, Gilligan's Fight Island.
3: (laughs) You (laughs) realize that they worked so long to get rid of the stink of UFC 1 to go right back they devolved. They devolved. You know what I'm saying? They got boys fighting on gra- like on on sand. <laughs> like just it, the idea. Just the like. I get the pandemic got people got people tripping, right? The pandemic got us all out here tripping. But come on, dog. Can, I would have I, I, I loved to have been in the meeting with Joe Luzon, who books the fights with Dana, with the Fertittas, with Debbie and me, who own them, whoever it is, and really be like, I want to buy an island. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I want Co- to buy an island.
2: Cocaine's a hell of a drug, Randy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to make one comment and then ask you guys a question before we transition into our next topic. My comment is, it seems like every person who is signed with the uh, UFC wants to fight at Fight Island. Media wants to go to cover Fight Island, right? Like 100%. I heard I heard I heard Ariel Hawani and Daniel Cormier on my way to work on Golik and Wingle this morning. And dude, Ariel Hawani, he could be a WWE manager. This dude is just, yeah. he just pimps the shit out so great for UFC. But here's my question to you guys as we close this segment out. Give me your last thoughts on the thing and where's Fight Island? Where is Fight Island? Turks and
3: Caicos. It's going to be in Turks and Caicos, because Turks and Caicos has enough islands for sale, or for for sale or for rent. It, I, you know what? See, that's why I know I'm in the wrong tax bracket. Because, see, I don't need much know who you call to rent an island or buy one. I'm like, is there a website you can go to? Is there a Craigslist? Like, can I go Airbnb an island? Anyway, to be back on back up to be back on point. Um, I it, this is this is a whole this is a crazy situation. It's probably going to be in Turks and Caicos, So somewhere in the West Indies, or that area. The sad part is, the two people who need to fight on Fight Island probably aren't going to do it. Connor, like we're probably going to get Khabib Gaichi, which we need to have, even though we should have been having Khabib uh, Habib and uh, Tony Ferguson, but yeah, Tony I'm Ferguson like ain't going to fight for a while. Yeah. He beat the shit out of Ferguson. He beat the dog shit out of And then the, the very first fight should be John Jones and Francis Ngannou. But Jones is pissed with the company because he want to get paid more, even though he didn't been the highest paid dude other than Conor for years. That's another conversation. But the fight, the cards are going to be great. But, like, those are the two you want to main event That those, those shows. Right? Those are the guys. You want, you want Conor. You want Bones.
2: I'm still staring into the skid of the ridiculousness of Fight Island. And I don't want to say make it sound like I'm hating. I, I think that the ridiculousness of it is glorious. So if we're going to stare to the skid of the ridiculousness, Fight Island needs to be held in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, let's just go all in. Let's go all in with it. Come on. I, I said fire around the octagon. I said the natives with the spears. Let's go all in. Tunny, what Tunny said, let's go all in.
3: Well, Live from on,
2: the Bermuda Triangle.
3: Since you're going all in, might as well bring back uh, Shamrock versus Gracie 4. Might as well yes. bring back uh, Tito versus Liddell 7 or we have a number they're at right now. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs>
3: and while we're at
2: it, let's get – I was going to say let's get uh, Tank Abbott versus Severin. You know what I mean? But oh, let, let's God just get God. it. Let's get Tito back. Let's get them all back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, I remember that Shamrock Gracie fight that, you know, knocked this all off. And they were trying so hard to make it seem like it was a fight, but they were just on the ground in a hole the whole time, you know. See,
3: nobody really understood jujitsu yeah. until the Gracies yeah. were
4: like, this is jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give you my prediction on where Fight Island is. And I think it's if i had to pick the coast i would pick the west one but it could either be off the southern east or west coast of canada there are plenty of islands on each side of that country and if they're privately owned and someone want to make some dough and it's not a long flight for dana from vegas i think that's how close fight island is my third thing would be somewhere in the caribbean because that's right off of florida where everybody can work right now and that's probably likely where UFC's gonna I think they're running two fifty down there, or do they run two forty nine down there or something? I thought they did. Um, well, dog, but two forty nine was in Jacksonville right. and they game. ran it down in Florida. Yep. Dog,
3: what if they do Alcatraz? It's for sale. Nice. It's it's it's
2: it's it's not a jail nice. anymore. Nice. Nice. And UFC is owned by William Morris Endeavors, which is the biggest talent agency out in Hollywood. What's more Hollywood
3: than having some fights? in an abandoned prison island, and and you could have Morgan Freeman do the voiceovers. Yeah, like it's boom, we in there.
2: When we arrived at Fight Island, I was <laughs> done. I can you, you, you can start, start like Sean.
3: Uh, start with Sean. Year <laughs> of start. Life.
4: Start with Sean Connery. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Rock. <laughs> All right, let's take a pause and slide on to our next topic. <laughs> Gentlemen, let's get into the broader scope of things and how everything's going to return. Let's talk about the major sports in America that are still on hold. We're talking about the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and, of course, college sports, the NCAA. Uh, I don't know how much NCAA basketball will be affected, but certainly NCAA football starting is a gigantic thing in the NCAA. There are schools that are going to be losing tons of money that are, that, and that money is not just allocated for the football program. It's allocated for lots of sporting programs and a lot of infrastructure in these universities, right? Uh, I know that MLB is starting on plans. I think they have an owner's meeting, and they want to get something set up for Friday so that they can actually vote on it when they're going to come back. NBA also has some kind of committee meeting on Friday. Hopefully, they're going to figure out what they want to do while World of Sports is what's been talked about down in Orlando. Uh, NHL has thrown out a proposal of a 2014 playoff. skip the rest of the season. Teams that wouldn't make it play against the bottom half of the teams that would and so forth. And that's kind of what we're looking at, guys. Uh, Major League Baseball may be cutting down to an 80-game season. What are your thoughts here on how this can be done and would maybe they be better off to say we're going to just cut our ties for a season that hasn't started and maybe baseball and move on to the next year and things of that nature. Obviously, NBA NHL is different with having playoffs that are ready to go, and NFL really hasn't been affected quite yet.
2: You know, it's funny, it it, it seems like the NHL is probably the closest to coming back, which you know, with everything that I've read, and know that the NBA desperately wants to come back. But it's funny because when you actually break it down and read some of these proposals of how these sports can come back, when you actually look at it and think about it for more than two minutes, the ridiculousness of the idea kind of sets in and how ridiculous these ideas are. You know what I mean? Or is, is that just me? Are, 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 you, are you picking that up as well? Like how ridiculous these ideas are? Not saying obviously we clearly miss sports and they obviously need to come back, but these ideas, like, nobody has a really good idea as to how to make this work.
3: The only drug that is uh, that is crazier and, and more indelible than cocaine is money. Too yes. Sick. Losing, sick. when you're faced with losing potentially billions of dollars as an organization, and we're not talking like 1-2 billion, we're talking like 15-20 billion dollars as an organization, you think of some really, like, again, <laughs> Hey, we should have a we should fight on the island. This is the thing that comes <laughs> with the ideas that happen when you are potentially losing billions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? So, like when boys said, you know what, we should do the we should play the games in a bubble. I'm like, what? Excuse me, excuse me, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. And, and, and if I'm gonna run it down the way you laid it out, Tony. Um, i don 't give a damn about the NCAA losing billions, trillions quadrillions until they decide to pay players after you do that, we can talk yeah. about feeling bad for you losing money, but you know what as far as I, as far as i 'm concerned, consider these reparations right um, number one number two um, i 'll save baseball for last because I know there's some controversial things with baseball coming back, but Korea has shown us that it 's possible. Like, the Korean baseball organization is in full effect and is are having good games, are doing, I don't want to say good business because they're not making much money because nobody's there. But you know what I'm saying? But
4: it's effective. Did you see the dance that the two cheerleaders and one guy did on top of the dugout for Eduardo Perez? No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> folks, if you do anything for yourself and want to make yourself smile in these hard times go to YouTube or go to ESPN and Korean baseball, they're so appreciative of ESPN being over there and the coverage that they're getting. And, you know, there's some American players over there, but this is one of the weirdest, hokiest things I've ever seen. And you got to watch these, you got to watch Chambi. And uh, I forget her name that also does the broadcast. And I feel bad forgetting her name. She's so good on the air. Um, their reaction to this dance and how they kind of went along with it. But you're absolutely right. KBO has been fun to watch. But here, how about you'll never remember KBO once the fucking regular shit comes back. It'll be like, adios, muchachos. <laughs> I appreciate your cultural
3: disparity there. Yes, nobody will care about the Korean Baseball Association, but this is the moment. Like live it up, get your fifteen minutes of fame, homie. Like, like, let us know who you are, and gain you a couple hundred thousand fans that might actually care about it. Like, this, like, this, this is gonna sound so fucked up, but like, I, I know this, this, none of this can work perfectly because you know, like, the world stopped and Rick Grimes is out here killing zombies right now. I know that, mm-hmm. but if the world, if, if, if. The, the American sports overlords w- really wanted America to care about soccer. Soccer should be going on right now. Imagine how much we'd care if so much more as a country if the only thing to watch, and I, I, lo- I love soccer. I'm getting into it more. I'm trying to find a Premier League team. But imagine how much more we would love them as a country if the MLS was the only thing going right now. You here's, have to watch Orlando City versus the Dynamo. You
4: know what Here, here's the problem with American soccer is it's second rate, and Americans don't like second rate. Like the NHL is the greatest hockey league in the world. NASCAR is the best stock car racing in the world. MLB is the best baseball stock, in the world. Yeah. Yep. Yes. NBA is the best ba- uh, basketball in the world. NFL is the only really football in the world. Right? It's our football, but. More Americans like the Premier League and follow the Champions League because that's the best soccer in the world. Like, I love the Premier League. I get up and watch Premier League games before the NFL starts on Sundays. I'm a huge Arsenal fan, right? Bundesliga in Germany is going around right now. You can watch that. No one gives a shit over here because it's not the number one thing, right? I mean, people are watching Cornhole because they're the number one Cornhole motherfuckers, right? They throw them bags in them holes. They're Cornhole.
2: I'm a man you got myself, BTW.
3: Wow. Okay. That's, that's uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, it. I mean, so, you know, about HBCUs and you know how that you have the, the, um, every frat or sorority has like, a, has a stereotype. Man, yes. you has got a stereotype. So, you know, it's all good.
2: Uh, I know, but when I started paying attention to soccer, they were the hot team, so I, I jumped on the bandwagon.
3: They're the Yankees; they'll forever be the hot team because they got the exactly.
2: money. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um,
3: and and to your point, Tony, you're absolutely right. But I think the way you can frame it is, we're not trying to get diehard soccer fans because they know they're not watching. If they were watched they were already watching because they don't care. Get the casual people who just want some
4: sports. Why not? Let's get a little more mainstream. Let's bring it back. Let's start with baseball. Ray, there's something you wanted to touch on specifically here, so I'm going to let you roll with it. So
3: um, baseball is a spring sport, right? It runs from the spring to the winter. It kind of runs... Spring to fall. Okay, yeah, November, October, November, but sure, spring to fall is the technical term of it. i give you that. Um, but it's, it runs kind of contrary to all the other major sports in, in, in our in our country uh, which is why, partially why it ha- it's so popular because it's unopposed largely well because of that and because of how this pandemic kind of ran they have the opportunity to be the only game in town and their working career kind of set a precedent and a blueprint for us and they're kind of working to get it but there's one Major hangup. Baseball is 162 game season, so that's 81 home games for every ballpark. That is a lot of money. In TV rights, in uh, advertising, in live gates, that's a lot of money. Baseball, who, if you're connected into sports, has by far the strongest and best players association right now, are in a conversation and almost, it's almost, uh, it could almost go to litigation at this point, where a mediation. The 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 baseball owners want to create a fifty-fifty split of revenue for the, for the abbreviated season because it'll probably be eighty some odd games, and that sounds amenable to someone like us who you know we don't we might not know the business of it, but that's essentially taking almost eighty percent of what the players would make on a regular basis because of the way the revenue is split in their CBA. So players are thinking y'all billionaires, y'all be all right. You know, I'm not going to give up all these millions of dollars to go risk my life playing a game. Like I want to play, but I'm not going to do that. And the owners are, are understandably thinking, well, we're the ones paying you and losing all this money. But I think there's that's an interesting dichotomy there, and I was curious to know what you guys thought, like, because nobody's wrong, nobody's right, but like, until they get that sorted, there's no baseball. So what do we do? What's, what, is, what, is the, what is the amenable kind of resolution to this? So, number
2: one, let me say this, man. I'm always going to be biased, and when it comes to situations like this, I'm always going to be pro-worker opposed to management. It's just what it is. That's how I'm built that just throw that out there, getting it out the way. And now the NBA had a a similar situation as well, because they had a, because they had a a revenue split where the players were getting more money than the owners. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the problem with the NBA and the NFL as well is that, you know, most of those guys live the dirty little secret is most of those guys live paycheck to paycheck. So the owners know all they have to do is starve out the players and eventually they'll be able to get their way. Now what makes baseball interesting is that most of the guys that play baseball they came they come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. More affluent socioeconomic backgrounds. And the I'm Americans, not turning this yeah. yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm not turning this into a race thing, but I'm saying it's it's expensive to play baseball. So you got to have a little bit of change to even be able to play baseball because it's just more expensive than some of the other sports. It is what it is. But the part that makes this interesting is when you add in the the uh, the Latino brothers or the Caribbean brothers that, you know, they're playing this game that, you know, come from depths of poverty that we as stupid Americans, we can't even begin to understand the levels and depths of poverty that they come from. And they come over here to play this game. And as long as they got their, you know, their loud button up shirts and their their pointy shoes and, you know, a blonde, they're good. They're not going to rock the boat. So I don't know how much sway they have going into these negotiations, but I will say from, from a worker standpoint, you'd be a goddamn fool to negotiate yourself down. Now, granted, the the baseball baseball has no salary cap. So these uh, we're gonna eventually see a billion dollar baseball player because there is no salary cap and that's how these things work. But we hit just three
3: hundred uh, we hit three was what's the highest? Three twenty? I think is the highest we got. I think so Mike
4: far? Mike Shrout signed the highest Shrout, contract. Shrout, Shrout Although, get I gotta, I gotta Shrout, tell you I gotta tell you though that those contracts, as far as their value compared to inflation, are not as ridiculous as they were. Like the owners are starting to shy away from things like that, especially guys who are getting up in age where like Alex Rodriguez got the ten year, two hundred and fifty million dollar contract. Now that would be more like a 10-year, $400 million contract. So it's kind of regressed. It doesn't look like that because of inflation and how, you know, the, the contract that Babe Ruth signed obviously looks different than the contract Derek Jeter signed, right? So
2: That's fair. But, yeah, you, as, as, as players, man, and as workers, you would be a fool to negotiate down to a 50-50 split. Like, stay
4: strong, brothers, for real, for real. Stay strong. Don't do that to yourself i firmly agree with what you guys are saying right and in the pro sports world you're worth what you can get and these players deserve to be paid and the players are the reasons why everybody makes this much money because if you just had a bunch of guys who were average and just tried really hard you wouldn't be having this many people interested in these are the elite athletes in the world that have chosen said sports and it's a job folks like Don't be like they just go out there for two hours a week. I mean, this is a lifestyle. This is a thing you have to make sure that you're sticking with. Otherwise, you're not going to be making this kind of money anymore. You have to make sure that you're in tune. At the same time, if paying these players in full means these owners start selling these teams and it becomes a destruction of these leagues, and I know that's a big stretch from where we are right now. But think about it. Some of the owners are going to be like, they're businessmen. They don't... Care about the sport necessarily. They have this team because it was an investment and it makes money. They're going to cut their losses. Like, it doesn't make sense as far as capitalism goes, right? I understand what you guys are saying that these people have been promised these things and that it should be delivered to. And maybe the number split should be higher because the owners can get away with a little more um, leeway. But at some point, you got to realize you got to give a little to make sure everything gets back to where it is. The society has to do it as a whole.
2: That's fair, man. And, you know, what I'm about to say, obviously we're dealing with the extenuating circumstances with this whole corona shit. Obviously we know that and we're taking that into account. But where I'm coming from is the the reason that these TV rights deals have gotten, you know, astronomical with baseball. I'm not talking about any other sport. I'm strictly talking about baseball. Is that these television stations theoretically if there are baseball games they literally get six months worth worth of content like you they you know because you know the local fox sports affiliate or whatnot they show literally every single game
4: the that Eugene, your team plays. Turner, yeah. yeah. here's the other thing yeah, though too like you like, know that the baseball contracts for television are not they don't share it you have your own individual contract with your local market there's no, I mean, the national games make so much money and there are national games on, but the whole thing isn't nationalized like NBA and NFL where you don't have a local contract, right? You just have a local provider who is inside of the NFL market or the NBA market. The Brewers only make money from Fox Sports Wisconsin. The Yankees have tons of money because everybody, yes. there's a million billion people in New York and a million billion people in L.A. and a million billion people in Houston. There are these good teams sounding familiar here, as we keep telling them down. And that's something they need need to fix that will never happen because the teams in major markets have more power in major league baseball. You want to talk about an old boys network still being around. It's baseball.
2: But you're still getting from a, a TV aspect, you're getting a lot of content for not a lot of effort. And that's why these TV rights contractors have gone through the roof. I mean, you know, for six months out the year, you have guaranteed content. You, guarantee, um, you have guaranteed content. So you start your pre-show at 7 o'clock, and then they play the game until from 8 to 11, and then you got another hour of the post-game show. From, so from 7 to 11, for six months a year, you've got your primetime block locked in, and that's why these TV rights deals have gotten so ridiculous and out the roof. Like I understand what you're saying. Like the Yankees are clearly gonna make more money than the Brewers or the Cleveland Indians or the Houston Astros or whomever else you wanna break up. Uh, Astros that, are up there. <laughs> but, but everybody but that's about point. Everybody's making paper off this situation. So the players, man, y'all got to hold strong. I know it's not gonna be easy, but y'all got to hold strong, man. What? You got the owners by the shorts and the curlies, man. Great. Last Here's thoughts on
4: baseball before we move to basketball.
3: My my question in the situation is this. I know they have guaranteed contracts, but do the guaranteed contracts start if the season hasn't started? There hasn't been a training camp. There hasn't been any part. Of, there has been no formal start to the Major League Baseball season. So are they getting paid? And will, if they aren't getting paid, hypothetically speaking, will that kind of abeyance, for fa- lack of a better term, continue on until the season actually starts? Because if that's the case, then the owner's going to eat. The owners going to eat forever because they're already naturally billionaires and have other interests and other uh, revenue streams. But so then that changes the discussion of: Am I sticking up for pride and what I'm and what I what I deserve, or do I want to sit here and say, okay, I might not make twenty million this year; I might only make twelve, but it's still something I'm gonna make. Like that changes the situation a bit. I don't I don't know the specifics of that, but you know it's. It, <laughs> Being prideful and sticking up for what you deserve is cool until them bills come and them kids get hungry. You know, so well, like that's kind people of like Mike real quick, people like Mike Trout or people like um uh uh what's my man that just that just signed, um that uh Garrett Cole, who make all these big bucks and they've been making big bucks for years. Cool. They might be alright. But what about the twenty fifth player on the roster who's in between triple A and and the majors, what about the dude on the 40 man roster who's a triple A lifer? What about the dude in double A who loves baseball and it's his career, but he only makes 60, 70 thousand a year, which is
4: good to a regular person. But do you, want, do you, want the, you want, do you want the cold hard truth? Like it's, the lit- the literal, you want the literal life isn't fair truth here. There are tons of other jobs out there if that one ain't serving you right.
3: That's real. No, I mean, it's and- real.
2: And it kind of goes back to what I was saying to start this whole discussion was that most of these guys that get into baseball, they come from a place of they're, they're good because, you know, it's just I mean, the facts are the facts, man. It's expensive to play baseball. Gloves are expensive. You know, Little League is expensive. It's expensive to play baseball. So you come from a socioeconomic background where. You're probably all right to begin with, and this is just you chasing your dream, so most of the guys I feel like are going to be all right now. there are those exceptions, and some of the exceptions that I brought up were the the uh the Caribbean brothers i you know i I don't know how they're going to deal with this, and that's when this whole thing gets interesting. If that makes any sense, I hope I'm making some type of sense, goddammit.
3: it. yeah, I got you yeah, you can make sense it's a, it's a, it's a It's a genuine understandable but conflicting debate and conversation, which is why I take here, I don't think we see a season. No, no baseball. No, no baseball, baseball until 2021. 2020, 2020. they, 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 what, they'll, what they'll do is they'll probably get together and run some charity games, some charity all-star games or something. But I don't think we'll see a typical – because after, after a certain amount of time, his, his 162 games – You can't condense it into have a 30-game season and we're good. You just can't do that. So if we're going to get any less than 80 or we're going to go into the winter and talking like November, December, it's just not logistically possible. So if we don't have a resolution by the beginning of July, it's not happening.
4: Gentlemen. You might be right. Let's talk some basketball. What do you think? I I, um, I, 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 I just want John Tesh to make the show, that's all. basketball all right there's been some talkings of what could actually happen here and you know we talk about nhl maybe being the next to start after that it looks like probably the nba and we talk about mlb trying to get started as soon as possible and I just want to mention the fact that NFL really has the advantage here in being able to watch all these other sports trying to start, right? But we're talking basketball, and I think between the three of us, I think it's our favorite sport. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I love the way you dribble up and down the court. I'm sorry, Ooh, bad. Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Below. I, I, yeah, to. Curtis yeah, yeah, that was. I I shouldn't. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to run that in there, but it kind of worked. <laughs> so, World Wild Sports down in Disney vegas was talked about but they're thinking this is a better plan they're going to try and bring the players into the facilities quarantine for two weeks or head down and quarantine for two weeks individually hopefully get some practicing in and then get going again how are they going to do it ray i mean are we going to end the regular season now start the playoffs Do what the NHL is doing, maybe let some teams that are on the bubble play some teams that are just in to see what happens further, or do we see some semblance, a little bit of a finish for the regular season? I also heard talks that this morning Brian Windhorst and Mike Greenberg were talking on First Take, one of my favorite sports shows because there's so many great uh, sports personalities giving their opinion there. And the, the thought has always been of moving maybe, and I don't know how big of a push this has gotten, but to changing the playoff format to just the top 16 teams, regardless of conference and seating them that yeah. way. And yeah. talking about how this could be an opportunity to do that because it's a different kind of season. But how do you get a team like the Bucs to vote for something like that, where they might have to play the Lakers and Clippers instead of just having to play one of them? You know what I mean? And things of that nature. So, A- does this happen in Orlando? And B, what does it look like? Does it look like the regular playoff format? Does it look like a modified version of the regular format? Do we finish the regular season? Do you see something a little bit different where we take the top 16 teams and see them down?
3: I, uh So first and foremost, uh, I, we, we're going to see a season. The NBA has, and this is a bad use of a word, but the luxury of having played over half of its season. So, you know... More than so that, even. Yeah, probably 60 to
4: 70%. I'll tell you exactly here momentarily. Keep going. The, the Bucks have played 65 games, so there is less than 20 games left for every single team in the NBA. I there love how he's
2: actually able and willing to do some research for this show, but when I ask him to pull something up on Potters War, which debuts Thursdays on the CheerShot Radio Network... This melon farmer don't do shite.
4: Ray, tell him it it's not the show. What, yeah, it's
2: bro. me. It yeah. ain't
3: got to do the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we were on the same page there, sir. Um, the, So so the season, does, so we do see an ending of a season. There's no way they don't finish it. The Players Association seems uh, gung-ho. Chris Paul is the president. He's been 100% behind finishing this um, Michelle Wilson wants to get it done. Uh, Adam Silver is, I I'm biased. I think he's the best commissioner, but if nothing else, he's shown he is the most willing to compromise of every commissioner of every major sports, uh, corporation or organization in this country. So it's going to get done. Fair.
2: That's fair. Yeah.
3: It's going to get done. I i like the idea personally of rocking with Orlando and Vegas, have the Eastern teams in Orlando, have the Western teams in Vegas, kind of and kind of run uh if you will kind of run just you know uh kind of your playoff tournaments that way the, so I, I i i don't like the idea of just of just one conference or if you will so like say the top 16 teams just seed them by best team to 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 16 irrespective regardless of conference i don't like that i've never liked that because what's the purpose of having conferences and why does it matter if you win your conference if you're just gonna do it that way? Then you can just eliminate conferences and have one basketball league. So I don't like that. But I don't like the fact that, uh, for example, in the West right now, um, if we're going by the last uh, standings by the time the season stopped, the Mavericks were seventh, and then eighth, ninth, and tenth were all separated by one game. Oh, that's fair. Now, life ain't fair. Kendrick Perkins said this this morning on Get Up, like you t- we're talking about, life ain't fair. Sometimes you got to deal with it. What I'd like to see is, I've 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 mentioned Bill Simmons a couple times, once in this show. I I love I've loved to read Bill Simmons over the years. He life has al- right. yes, he has always um, pitched what he called the entertaining as hell tournament, which is mm-hmm. all the teams that don't make the playoffs play kind of a. Uh, a single elimination NCAA-esque tournament, and the winner gets the number one pick. That I'm in for. And then you can have, if, and then I if I would run that, and then have the regular playoffs, the first round five games, the second round five, quarters five games, and then the, East, the conference finals and the finals seven games, and you vacillate between Orlando and Vegas. And you keep them in a the bubble. Locked out. They're locked down for a month, month, month and a half. We're in and out. Y'all home playing with your kids by August. So if you would have asked me this two
2: weeks ago, I would have said that it was impossible for them to complete this season and have an NBA season and playoffs because there were just so many competing agendas and I didn't know if they would be able to get on the same page. That being said sitting here now us talking. I, I think that everybody wants to have a season. everybody wants to complete the season. Now I know for a fact, one of the hangups with everybody is that all parties involved, they're nervous and they're concerned about the optics of the fact that, okay, if we're gonna have a season, we've got to have X amount of tests and everybody has to get tested, you know, before every single game they're nervous about that they're nervous about the backlash to that where okay well y'all can get tests well why can't everybody get tests like everybody involved I know this for a fact everybody that's involved in this decision is nervous about a possible backlash yeah and they've spoken about it about a possible backlash because of that now I don't like I agree with Ray I don't like the idea of the 16 team tournament that came up because you know a few years ago the West was so dominant and people were trying to make it more uh Parity. They're trying to make you try to bring more parity. But I mean, that shit goes in cycles, man. So it'll swing back. The And if you and if you look in the past, like three or four seasons, man, the East actually has a better record versus the West. And the East actually has better teams than the West. I mean, I know it's not the popular opinion, but if you look at the numbers, the numbers bear out what it is that I'm saying. They're top. That being They're said, just not deep you said it better than i could have ever said it they're top heavy but they're not deep yes so i do think that they are going to have some semblance of a season especially like ray said considering that they've already played the majority of their season the bubble idea it's not great but nobody has any great ideas but everybody needs to make bread so all right and i'm here for it obviously i miss the nba now the the, the thing that, that worries me is that let's for example, let's say the Lakers win and that's LeBron's fourth rig. I feel as if people are gonna try to hold that against him, like, oh well, this wasn't a real season, even though nobody bats an eyelash with the Knicks versus the Spurs in yeah. ninety nine that played that abbreviated fifty game season. Okay, well, and Rally nobody that takes ring. that. Yeah, and nobody takes that away from Duncan or Robinson that those were their first rings. But I feel like people, in the conversation of Mike versus Bron, I feel like people are going to hold that against him.
4: The title won this year, no matter what, if they if they do a playoff, a full playoff, or however they do it, you're being contrarian just to be contrarian, if you want to say it doesn't count. Just like 99, et cetera, et cetera. This will be a championship. Yes, Am I biased? One hundred percent because my team has a fucking chance to win this championship. One hundred percent. But like I already said, you've played over seventy-five percent of the games already. But here's the thing, Dave. That's more. That's fifteen more fucking games than they played in '99. And though,
2: Tony, because they're clearly the NBA is clearly building up Zion Williamson to be the next guy. Like that's clearly the line. We're drawing it from Jordan to LeBron to Zion. Like, can we all agree that that's the line that they're trying to draw because he does have the personality in the game? Can we all, yes or no, can we all agree that that's, that's where they're trying to go with this? Can we agree with that? The but the problem is they're currently sitting outside of the playoffs. And that's the thing. Like Ray said, there's these teams that are a game back, two games back, three games back, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I, I'm just saying, if that's, if you're building that guy up to be your next guy and you're going to play this season, and if you just skip straight to the playoffs, he's not going to be involved in the playoffs. So dude's from like, a financial aspect, is that the best thing for your league? I'm not saying, I'm just saying.
4: Dude's played seven games this year. They're going to fucking watch no matter who's out there. It could be Marty Conlon versus fucking, I don't know, Bill Walton on crutches. To, to,
3: to, to expound... On the the profound thought process my my brethren Pizzi Tunney has had, I <laughs> I you you're a lot more controversy than I am in the way you think about how the NBA or sports leagues and this and that and whatnot, and I a lot of what you say makes sense and has credence, but I don't think about it the same way you do. But so to kind of go deeper into what I what I'm trying to say, the NBA is so powerful. And The NBA is the most powerful sports league in the world in terms of star power. It has the biggest star. The, the stars you think of in this, in this country, seven out of ten of them are going to be basketball players because they are the most accessible. They're the easily, most easily seen because they're the most culturally relevant, right? And so because of that, you can be a star in any city – and be terrible, but as long as you got commercials, shoes, and you and Drake saying your name on the next hottest track, mm-hmm. nobody cares. So Zion doesn't have to make the playoffs this year. Next year, the year after that doesn't matter. Now, if he wants to be legendary in basketball circles, he got to win. But he wants to be legendary in terms of being like a, a, a media maven or popular. Ben Simmons' date has dated like three of the Kardashians. He can't make a three doesn't matter. As long as you're relevant, that's all that matters. And the NBA is the easiest league to be relevant. So he'll be fine. And they'll make money off of him for days. I mean, they'll make stupid money off of him. In New Orleans, no doubt. The biggest issue I'm worried about is, and this is fucked up, but it's a spade of spade. Close the French quarter for like six months when he's playing in the league. Because like, my man really needs to stay in shape. <laughs> am I calling him fat? But like he has a body type. I'm just c- c- keeping it a buck. He has a body type that he needs to. Re- and James Harden has the same problem. It, that's that's why you see James Harden don't have stamina going into June, right? In May, June, because strip clubs and the food down here he loves it too much. So that's that's I'm more worried about that for Zion than I am him not winning.
2: Tony and I have talked about that online, and we both agree he probably needs to drop 10 or 15 pounds. Plus, he's injury-prone as well, and carrying that much weight during an NBA season, yeah, it's not going to
4: help. Does Zion Williamson play a 10th NBA season? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah, because it'll change his game. He
3: doesn't have a shot yet. Once he lo- I'm going to give you this perfect NBA comp, and I think this was his comp coming into the league. Blake Griffin is a wonderful comp for him because Blake Griffin, when he came out, was all athleticism. But Blake Griffin has turned himself into a very good jump shooter and an exceptional passer at the four position. He just can't stay healthy consistently. But Blake Griffin will play 13, 14 years because he can live like Chris Webber off of his passing, his ability, and his shooting. He could be Antonio Turner McDyess. So is he going to play 10 years as a superstar? Probably not. But he'll definitely play 10 11 years i think so i'm gonna say yes
2: and i think that zion's comp is charles bach berkeley obviously he's much taller than charles but when i say charles i mean a fat dude that's just a freakish athlete and i I, i'm gonna say yeah he's gonna play 10 seasons and i mean he's got all the the intangibles to to be the next guy in the league
4: we got one more thing to talk about here on the three man weave. We thank everybody for tuning in to the inaugural episode, episode number one three man weave Ray Cash, Christopher Platt, PC Tunney. Last thoughts here on the NBA in a bubble before we move on. If they
2: can make it work, I'm here for it. But again, man, all of the proposals that I've heard with all these sports, when you think about them more than two minutes, they all sound utterly ridiculous. But I'm here, I'm here for NBA.
3: I think it's kind of hilarious and sad at the same in the same breath that with all this NBA news going on, the most relevant NBA thing to come out of this past week was Paul Pierce thinks LeBron isn't in the top five. So there
4: we go. Like I said, some people are contrarian, just to be contrarian. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, my last thoughts on the NBA are let's get this motherfucker started up and let's get them Bucks and them Lakers in the finals.
3: For the good You're of not. the city
4: of Milwaukee and the state
3: of Wisconsin, please let that happen because when John when Jonas becomes a New York Nick, Milwaukee the, looking at the Seattle Bucks, baby. Or,
2: or Miami Heat. Either way, you're not going to win the title this year, Tony, even if they play. You you're, you guys are not going to win. They
4: may win it because the Lakers are whole team. Okay. I can't wait to that podcast. I can't wait to that podcast. It's just going to be 60 minutes of me talking about the Bucks. You ain't even going to hear Ray if, and Chris talk.
2: If there's an NBA season slash playoff, there is no way in bloody hell the NBA is going to allow the Lakers not to win point blank period.
3: Hey, but y'all want y'all want to y'all want to have you want to talk about that good old Australian Basketball League? No.
2: For uh, the <laughs> food, <ugly laughs> for the fun. Out steakhouse we will get her done. Shrimp on the bobby baby.
4: On that folk, <laughs> on that note folks. <laughs> let me tell you a little something about angrylemonade.net. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. Ladies and gentlemen, that's angrylemonade.net.
2: Not a sports fan, huh?
3: wrong wrong person my bad <laughs> that, that had a little rick Ross in it a little bit i'm just saying so ladies and
2: gentlemen on the heels of the last dance which was the genesis of this whole idea we have the last ride which is a five-part docu-series put out by wwe network chronicling the undertaker and so far, it's a five part docu series, and we've got it we've gotten through part three. And gentlemen, I'm fascinated to get this type of access to the Undertaker because he was so in character for so many years. It's just fascinating to see him break character and to actually see the man, not Undertaker, but the man Mark Calloway, the man behind the mask, and you know, the uh, theoretically speaking. The only time I can think about him actually breaking character in this way is the only time I can remember it is. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a uh, there was a, a show back in the early 2000s called uh, Off the Record. It was in Canada, and there were people on that show. They had Vince McMahon on that show, Bret Hart, Shawn Mike, John Cena, Paul Heyman. And one of the the gentlemen that they had on that show was The Undertaker. And that's the only time that I can think of off the top of my head in these last, what, 10, 15 years where he actually broke character and he wasn't Undertaker. He was Mark Calloway, which that's a very interesting show. If you ever get a chance, go back to YouTube off the record. Go look it up. Those. Yeah. The interviews they did with wrestlers was fascinating. But. Other than that, this is the only time that I can remember The Undertaker really breaking kayfabe and just letting us into his life. And I think that this journey into his life has been fascinating.
3: I remember that interview, but if we want to be a little more um, recent, um, he did an interview with this with this um mega Oh, with pastor. the preacher with yeah. the preacher guy, yet, yeah. And yeah. it was like yeah, an hour and a half. He did one behind the scenes, like on a closed set, and he did one at church. And, like, it was so illuminating into what he thinks and, uh, and age. <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> sir, because nobody heard that. Yeah. Nobody heard <laughs> any of that. Yeah. Cool. What else was funny to me about that, that interview in particular was the whole Undertaker gimmick is devil and, 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 you know, and, and no God and and hell and all this, and you up there just like ultimately. Oh, this is the greatest gimmick ever, guys. Okay, I I appreciate you stepping outside your boundaries. Um, but yeah, the it, it's 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 fascinating. What's more fascinating to me, not just about him allowing this access and kind of breaking kayfabe for the first real consistent time ever, at least WWE sanctioned. That's cool. That's amazing. But the timing of which he's doing this, you know, uh, behind the scenes of the Roman Reigns match where like he lost all of his confidence, behind the scenes of the both the matches in Jeddah, well, not just Jetta, but in Jeddah and, and in um, uh, Australia with Triple H and, and then the one with Kane against DX and Shawn Michaels' return to that he should have never did and
1: all this
3: hey, stuff. Hey, hey, baby. And and, yeah. all, and so all of these times, and then um, this particular episode, um, I love the titles of the episodes. Episode two is Redemption, and him getting back, redeeming himself from the debacle in Orlando, getting back in shape, and then having the Undertaker-esque squash against Cena at 34. This one, End of an Era, going through the history he has with Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, and Kane, and going through their history, and then destroying and stinking up an entire continent in Saudi Arabia. And like and then them talking ad nauseum, all the guys, Edge, Batista, Shawn, Triple H, Vince, his wife, about, yeah, he don't know when he needs to go, but he probably needs to go. That was like, wow. Like, you're literally having an episode following this guy, where everybody, all of his friends, everybody, he, Mick Foley, everybody he respects, cares about, loves, all saying, yeah, my guy probably, he, he's way, he looking for something he ain't going to get. And then they show the proof of that. Like, so that, now that's, that's amazing to me. I know we talk all the time about, you know, to the winners go, the spoils and the victors tell the history. Make the history. But, yo, my man really showing, like, the lows. And I respect that. Cause he's had some really bad lows. We've talked about that next week. They're going to talk about the Goldberg match. And I appreciate that. They're not trying to cover our eyes, but and throw a veil over us and tell us that, Oh, that match was amazing. No, it was terrible. And I'm embarrassed by it. And y'all see that I'm embarrassed by it. And I appreciate that.
2: So it's going to be interesting to see where this thing goes, because you, you, both of you guys have clearly picked up on the pattern where okay, I had the match with Roman Reigns. That's not exactly how I wanted to go out. I was supposed to go out like that, but it wasn't how I wanted to go out. And then I, I get in shape and I work myself back and I do my, you know, I I get my hip surgery and whatnot. And now I do the match with Cena, and yeah, that worked. That went well, but eh, I think I got one more in me. And then you, you, like, you clearly can see the pattern here. So I'm interested to see how this thing is going to end. Like, are they going to drop a bomb with the fifth episode saying that it's a wrap and we're done here, or is he going to keep going?
4: I'll give you some of my takeaways from the first three episodes, real quick. <clears throat> I, I like watching Taker watch his own matches and how he doesn't like some things and he can't just he just cringes, right? Like, that's somebody who is a professional and a perfectionist and someone who's been at the top of the game, in their game for a long time. Michelle McCool is an excellent wife. She, yep. lo- she yep. loves that man. She loves that man. She loves Mark. She don't love The Undertaker. She loves Mark. And kudos to her and him for being together and having a family. And man... That comes through in fucking spades in this thing. She cares about Mark, right? And Mark cares about her, and some of the stories they tell are excellent, and their interactions on how he's so old school and everything else. It's funny. certain mm. things he talks about, certain things he doesn't. His interactions with the superstars in the back and who he mm-hmm. talks to and who he calls by name and who he calls brother and who he gives shit to and his, his, his relationship with Vince. Yeah. Vince cannot speak about what The Undertaker means to him. Because I think in Vince's mind, once he stops being Vince McMahon, not Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the on-screen character, but Vince McMahon, the guy who runs this show for WWE, once he stops being that, I think he feels like he's going to fall off. I think that's why he works out all the time. That's why he maintains the schedule. That's why you look weak in front of him if you sneeze, right? Undertaker's awesome. Man tells a great story. I'm so intrigued. I've enjoyed these first three things, but those are the things that I've taken away from this. A lot of the other match thing and the way the other performers, major ones, felt about him, etc., I did like his interactions with the doctor and the surgery thing as well, so...
2: Um, so how 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 weird is it to see Vince McMahon in a V-neck T-shirt? I just thought that was weird, and and kind of you know going to what you said, Sonny, the, fa- the his interactions with the wrestlers backstage, and you see the reverence and the respect that they have for him. That that let, was cool to me. Let me
4: ask a real quick question. If you had to pick one guy, and I thought that one guy stood out to all the people he would talk to backstage and have interactions with, whether it was like current talent, like retired talent that is now working for the company, or legendary talent that's just around in the back, I thought there was one person that he didn't just talk to; he also listened to more. Yeah, so. You,
2: you, it, it's got to be Triple H. Who else would you be even talking about? I was
4: was taking... I'm sorry, I should have prefaced it. I was taking him out of there because they kind of are still a a working relationship.
2: Uh,
4: uh. I was going to say... I was going to say Stone Cold. When him and Stone Cold talk, it seemed like they're on the same level. Like, he doesn't think he's greater than Stone Cold and he he says to Stone Cold, like, you see one in the back and he's talking and Taker, you look at him and you know, I get what you're talking about with the Triple H thing where they kneel down, it's a guy you can take advice from, but yeah i I almost have to add that in there and, and change my thought plan because I agree with you those two guys to me but there but there are but real real quick
2: Chris uh no man, I cut you off, man, so please take all the time in the world
3: taker rock um austin Kane Hunter and Sean and Foley, and you throw bread in there. those eight will share a bond that will never be broken because they changed wrestling. Like, those eight are the soldiers of
4: WWE. Did you say Jericho, though? I mean... Did you see the old footage of him and, and Taker on the last one? Before I did. Jer- and, and there was a lot of respect for Jericho there.
3: Oh, no, yeah. The only reason I don't count Jericho is because everybody I mentioned was with WWE for years right. before right. their pushes start. So, like, these guys have been there you know, 93, 94, 95, 96, 90, and so on and so forth. No to Jericho. You. Jericho, from a star power standpoint, what he meant to the company is in that conversation. But those nine, eight guys I mentioned, eight or nine, however many it was, like, they stood the test of time and were there when the company was was bad. And, you know, and, and we had, we, we Hulk Hogan fought a different goon every week. Um, to your Vince McMahon point real quick, the only other person I've seen him have that reverence with is Andre. If you watch the see Andre doc, Vince couldn't talk about how he felt about Andre either. So I, I do believe and agree in your theory that he holds the persona and the mystique of Vince McMahon, a little too strong to the vest. But I also think that Vince respects a lot of people, but he loves a few. And I think he loves Mark Calloway and Andre Rusmov. And I think that's the difference, you know, between the way he talks about those guys and can't talk about those, you know what I'm saying? I think that's the difference there. I think it's a real love, and not just the, I respect you and what you've done for me, but like I love you as a person.
4: All right, folks, we you have know free... one.
2: Go uh, ahead. My, Go ahead. my bad, and I just want to say this real quick, man. Uh, one thing that I hope that they get into in the last couple of episodes is the Brock Lesnar match. And when the streak was broken and we've heard them kind of talk around it, we've heard, you know, Taker talk about it, we've heard Austin, we turned Taker on Austin's podcast talking about how he doesn't remember that match. And we've heard Vince say that that was a Vince call, but I would like to see them get more into, you know, the, the psychology behind the idea of breaking the streak.
4: That sounds more like a WWE special. They did kind of go over it. I think, Ray, that's what you wanted to bring up. He talked about that. And the fact that Michelle is the only other one that knew, actually, um, and how they hit him and everything. But do you guys have anything else you want to get out here about the Undertaker documentary before we wrap this up? The number one episode of Three Man Weave. Um,
3: Yes, two things real quick. Number one, I thought it was illuminating to see that his kind of road partner is Larry Heck, the athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love the, the way he kind of prefaced it by, I mean, they, they worked together for years. You're in the backstage with these guys, road to road. But he said, This dude's put me back, put me together so many times that you just can't help but grow a friendship. And I love that. And secondly, it's, I, have a, I have a working theory. I think the most over guy in the history of this generation, at least in the history of this generation of WWE backstage and like like non kayfabe among real people is Hornswoggle because every (laughs) single person (laughs) talks about how much Hornswoggle annoyed them, made them mad. But everybody got a joke about him. Like so for that dude, like even Taker was talking about it, how some people can't come into the room when I'm losing because they're bad luck. He was like big show. And he said Hornswoggle and looked at the camera like, ha, I love that. Like, shout out to Hornswoggle, man.
4: Hornswoggle running things right here in Wisconsin. Nice promotion. Plenty of good talent coming through. Uh, Wish him all the best continually. Hope to have him on the show one day. Been trying for years. Platt, last thoughts quickly on the Taker Doc and take us home.
2: Okay, so yeah, with the Taker Doc, the Larry Heck thing, it was very Jordan-esque with the last dance. And obviously there's some parallel between both of them, but how Jordan's best friends were, you know, his the the security. That's kind of how I felt with Taker and the athletic trainer. That's that's the vibe I got. Uh, Other than that, man, just last thoughts in general. I know Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott, they're in the midst of this pissing battle and this pissing contest. But I'm going to tell you like this. Jerry Jones and every other NFL owner as well. If you got a quarterback that you think you can compete for a Super Bowl with for the next five to eight years, you need to lock, you need to do everything you possibly can to lock that melon farmer up. Because when that Eric Andre-looking melon farmer in Kansas City, when it's time for him to re-up his rookie contract, he's about to change the game. In terms of salary structure, and y'all know that. And that's why y'all fought so hard to get an extra game on the schedule, and an extra playoff game on the schedule, because you know that you're going to have to re-up, and you're going to have to increase that salary cap. So y'all know exactly what I'm saying. So do right by your quarterbacks.
3: That's all I got to say.
2: That being said, Mr. Cash, let the good folks know where they can find you, brother.
3: You can find me at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. While I currently still have a Twitter account, if y'all keep losing y'all's minds, won't have one no more. Um, I'm also at Outsider's Edge, um, C-S. Yeah,
2: Ray is a uh, very much a nicer person than I am because I yes. have no quorums telling you to suck my dick and keep it moving like an escalator. Ray's not built from like the, that, and that's from why. From the front or the back. Well, from the back, man, I ain't never seen no shit like that. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to see what that shit talking about. (laughs) You you have to give instructions on the things you tell (laughs) people. Man, take the balls like the asshole first. Mr. Tunny. where can they find you, sir?
4: Wow, certainly not around when that's happening, but you can find me at PC Tunny on the Twitter. You can find this show. At 3 underscore man weave on the Twitter. Make sure you check out 3 underscore man weave. You can find me all over the chair shot. Let's get chair shot sports trending. Let's have a good time. Let's enjoy some sports together. I love talking sports with these guys. We also add a little wrestling in here once in a great while. But, yeah, man, chairshot.com, at PC Tony for me, CP.
2: You heard the man, man. Everything he said, I will double that. Uh, you all can find me on Twitter at The Real C Platt, But more importantly than that, make sure you all go to prowrestlingteams.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Again, if you enjoy the content we provide and everything we do day in and day out, Show us some love and make sure we can keep providing that content by going to com forward slash the chair shot. Please. And thank you. Thank you. And please. And PC Tunny, if you can bring uh lemonade in here real quick before we wrap it up.
4: Oh, without a doubt, head over on to angry That's what you want to do. You know, and if you go in and check out and put the promo code chair shot in, you're going to save 10%. So we w- once again, want to thank them for our new partnership And you can, you know, save on physical products and digital commissions. Make sure you go over and check it out, angrylemonade.net.
2: You heard the man. Yo, for Mr. Ray Cash, for the Commissioner PC Tunney, I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll get better next week. Until then, shalom.
4: Sounded like a win to me.
1: And they stay there, and they stay there, yeah. and they stay there. Cause all I do is quit, quit, quit. And if you go in put your hands in the air, you stay there. Ludacris going in on the verse, cause I've never been defeated and I won't stop now.